Hello there and welcome back into the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. I'm your host, Sam Hind, and today I've got the absolute honor and privilege of introducing you to a very special guest. She's the author of How to Be Resilient. She's an international keynote speaker traveling all over, sharing her story of resilience and how to practice the art of being resilient. The queen of resilience herself, as dubbed by international seven-time world champion, Lane Beachley, I'm going to be introducing you today to Stacey Copas. Stacey, at the age of 12, suffered a devastating accident that left her a quadriplegic. In this episode, she shares that story, the highs and lows, ups and downs, and a very honest and truthful uh, journey around where she was and the journey that she went through to get to where she is today. I love how honest Stacey is about all of this. And most importantly, I love how passionate Stacey is about being resilient and learning to become more resilient in order to be the best possible version of ourselves that we can be. We are so privileged to have her sharing on the podcast today. And what I will say is one thing I'm super proud of, but absolutely something I need to make very clear before you tune on into this episode is this. Stacey and I are both very passionate about this topic. We both share uh, a raw um, and real story from both of us we come to this episode with. But what I will say about this is we are by no means health professionals. And if you need to seek help, please ensure that you do so. Today, we talk a lot about the relationship we have with ourselves and the responsibility that we have around our own mental health. But it is up to you as an individual to seek out that help that you need. So please enjoy this episode, but understand that we come at this as literally a conversation between two friends passionately chatting about something they really truly believe in and sharing some backstory to go with that. So with no further ado, whether you are out for a walk right now listening to this episode, driving in your car or sitting down on the couch with a cup of tea in hand, enjoy this episode and don't forget at the end, we're going to put as well into the show notes, the details around Stacey's amazing book, How to Be Resilient. Make sure that you grab a copy for yourself. I know that you're going to be both inspired and awed by this beautiful woman. So I'm going to hand over to her introducing the amazing Stacey Copas. Hello, everybody, and welcome back in to the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. Uh, look, I am so excited that I get to bring in such amazing guests to have a chat to, really uh, because I love to learn from them as much as anything else, and today is no exception. Uh, I am so privileged and blessed to be welcoming on in Stacey Copas. So welcome on in, Stacey, and thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really glad to be here, and I'm really excited for our chat <laughs> well, we're going to we're gonna have a really great chat. I know we've got some great stuff lined up. We've already been chatting for about half an hour about all, all sorts of things, which uh, I know our audience have just missed out on. So we better make up for that. Um, and Stacey, do you want to just start? Because there's a ton that I want to get into with you today. Um, but I know you've got an incredible story and and this is, you know, the core of, uh, of what you do now, your book, et cetera. So for those that don't know you, would you mind telling everyone a little bit about who you are and why it is that you're here today? 
Absolutely. So I'm the founder of the Academy of Resilience and author of How to Be Resilient, um, which is exactly what it says on the can, just lots of exercises and practical principles about building resilience. Um, And I've come to be speaking about resilience, not from your typical, um, I think most people that speak about resilience talk about it from a perspective of being an academic or a psychologist and I, I, I for years felt that I wasn't qualified to speak about resilience because I wasn't either of those things. Um, so how I've come to speak about resilience is just through my own personal personal life journey. And th- I guess the key, key moment that really led me onto that journey was when I was 12 years old, I was calling off in a backyard swimming pool with my younger brother who was 10 and a couple of other boys around the same age. And it was a pool that I was very familiar with. It was a, it was a relative's place. And so I did what I did every time I visited there and I just kept climbing up on the edge and diving in. And it was an above-ground swimming pool, so it wasn't that deep and it definitely wasn't one that was meant for diving. So I was getting yelled at to stop, but I'm sure you remember what it was like to be 12 and mm-hmm. bulletproof and invincible. And so I just completely ignored that. But this one particular time, I, I'd been diving for a while and then I was thinking I was splashing too much as I was diving in. So I, I stood on the edge there for a while and I thought, what could I do to make a perfect dive? And what I decided to do was I thought if I was to keep my legs straight and hold my feet together, I thought in theory that that would help me splash less as I dived in. So I ended up taking a deep breath and diving in and just did exactly that. And it felt like any other dive that I'd done before that until I went to try and swim up to the surface and I I realised I couldn't move. I didn't feel any pain. It didn't feel like anything had gone wrong, but I was stuck at the bottom of the swimming pool, completely conscious, holding my breath, panicking, desperately trying to get the attention of my brother, which I couldn't do. So I held my breath for as long as I could. And then when I couldn't hold it any longer, then I had had to give in and that that panic that I was experiencing turned into a moment of pure terror mm. as I just had to breathe in and as I breathed in and my lungs filled with water, I blacked out. And it was a little bit up, like a little bit after that that they realised that something was had gone wrong and, you know, there were a bunch of kids so you can't expect them to have thought anything other than they thought I was mucking around at the time. And it was later that night at the third hospital that I was taken to that a doctor actually came and told me that I'd broken my neck and drowned and that I'd never walk again. Gosh. And prior to that, I I was I was about to start high school. My my dream had always been to be a vet, and I'd gotten into a selective agricultural high school. I was an athlete. I was the pitcher in the softball team in summer. I was one of the first two girls to ever play soccer for the school, and I represented every distance from the 100 metres right through to the cross country. Mm. So to be told that I'd never walk again like felt like a death sentence to me at that time yeah um, and so you know the word resilience wasn't something that I was ever aware of back then mm. and it was so going through the journey of um, many many years afterwards of just being in a place of just being really bitter and angry and resentful mm. about what had happened but being very insular about that and just pretending I was getting on with life when really I you know I hated life and I hated myself for a really long time there mm. And, you know, it wasn't until, you know, I, I, later in my teens I started to sort of, I started to get out of a headspace of, you know, trying to escape, which I was doing a lot through getting drunk and getting stoned. And so I started to sort of 
take the steps out of that. Um, and then it wasn't until I'd sort of, you know, gotten into uni and deferred and never went and mm-hmm. got a job and pretty much was just doing what all my friends were doing. Yeah. And I got a job, got my license, got a car, was dating someone I worked with, all of those things that I began to really see that really, you know, it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't the end of my life. It was just things were going to be a little bit different. And I then sort of stopped and, and began to realize that I couldn't change what had happened, but I could change the story I told about what happened. Yeah. And I could change what I did next. And that, that was sort of a, you know, once I sort of did that, it was like the world had opened up and there was just possibilities everywhere instead of problems. Yeah. Um, but yeah, resilience wasn't something that came into the piece, even as a word. Um, until into my 30s when I sort of began to began to realise there was something something more impactful that I needed to do with my life and, um, you know, it was, it was mentor that put the label on it and I was like, okay, that seems fitting, um, trust the mentors and, you know, here we are sort of 11 years after that label was um, put to the work I do and, um, and now so I'm, you know, primarily... I'm doing things as a keynote speaker, as an author and as as a coach, um, helping people to to really shift their perspective, particularly to, you know, see problems as possibilities and obstacles as opportunities. So I'm I'm pretty blessed. I'm really blessed to have experienced the adversity I have to then be able to have reverse engineered that all into a framework of how to turn things around when things don't go to plan. Yeah. Uh, it's such a powerful story and, of course, you know, we'll talk about your book a little later but you you tell that story uh, a little more in depth and, of course, you know, that journey um, in your book as well. So, I, you know, I highly recommend that, you know, everyone read that, check that out. But let's just um, talk for a little bit, of, a little minute about resilience because uh, you said that it wasn't even a word in, in your vocabulary at that time and, I think that there's perhaps a lot of, um, you know, misunderstanding around what resilience really is. And, you know, for me in the past, resilience was always you put up a really big barrier and you get really strong and a tough exterior and you feel less, um, you just feel less of the emotion of what's going on um, and you just continue taking what's coming at you. Is that what resilience really is? Yeah, what I've discovered, uh, particularly around resilience, is most of the stuff I do has been with you know people in business and building businesses. And what I've found is that most of the stuff that I've seen is it's sort of become resilience has become synonymous with coping, mm. and it is. It's just that okay, just just handle it, just handle it, just handle just it, get just on keep with going. It, get on with it, get on with it. Um, whereas I I have a little bit of a different perspective on it. Like I feel that. First of all, I see resilience is, is something that's proactive rather than just reactive, mm-hmm. not, not just, okay, this isn't going to plan, I have to just keep going. I think that's probably more perseverance rather than yep. resilience. Yeah. Um, I see that resilience is something that we, we need to have before we need to use it. It's like mm. the digging the well before you're thirsty. Yeah. Um, and so it's something that you build beforehand. But I see resilience um, not just how do you cope. I think that's obviously that's that's part of it. Um, and often we hear people say, oh, it's about bouncing back, which I kind of screw my face up a little bit when people say the bouncing back, because it just implies that you just keep coming back to that point mm-hmm. that you were before something didn't go to plan. Yeah. Whereas I see resilience as an opportunity to grow and learn and to become stronger yeah. through being challenged. 
And so I like to look at it is that resilience is how we can actually grow through something rather than just go through it Mm -hmm. and how we can thrive rather than just survive a situation. So I see that there's, there's, there's elements of, you know, there's a baseline. Okay. There's survival. Um, but I, I really love to look at resilience as like, how do we grow? And I think it's a growth strategy, a learning strategy rather than just a survival strategy. Yeah. I love what you said about needing it needing to have resilience before you actually need it. And I think that's um, such a really powerful thing to think about because, you know, it's that being proactive versus reactive, which I think, you know, the default for most of us is I'll just deal with something when it comes up. But if you haven't put the exercise and the time in, in advance, you know, how you handle whatever it is that comes up will be determined by that. So, um, I'm keen to kind of unpack that a little bit with you as well, um, Stacey, but one of the things that you talk a lot about as well is gratitude and resilience. And I just want to speak about that for a little moment because I feel like they seem to be very, very different things. You know, being resilient and being grateful, like, you know, how do they even come together? Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that for a moment because I know this is a big thing for you? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've sort of discovered that gratitude is one of the key parts of building resilience and being resilient. Um, And looking back at my own personal journey, it was a step beyond what I I shared before where I said that I began to change the story Mm -hmm. about what had happened. But then I ended up taking it a step further and I actually became grateful Mm -hmm. for what had happened and how it changed my life. And then most people think, how the heck can ending up a quadriplegic and needing a wheelchair for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life be positive? But when people spend time with me, they quickly realise that I am genuinely happy about how it's changed my life and Mm -hmm. can say with absolute certainty that there's things I've experienced and done that I would never have had the opportunity to do if life had taken the path I planned. Yeah. So I see gratitude as such a foundational part of resilience. Um, And so gratitude is actually one of the practices that I recommend people do on a regular basis in order to build their resilience, Um, both proactively and also situationally. I'd like like to say more situationally rather than reactively. Um, So gratitude um, and and the way that I, I share gratitude Um, and and teach people how to use gratitude is it's not your typical write down three things you're grateful for, gratitude journaling, um, which I think is the most common thing that we hear over and over again. And it was something that I I tried myself and I, I, I had a really good crack at it, but I just found it didn't work for me. If anything, it felt a little bit wanky and it felt like <laughs> it felt like an obligation and a chore. Yeah. And so I wasn't experiencing gratitude as a result of doing that. So I experimented with a few different things. And what I ended up landing on was, was using mantras. And what I love about using a mantra is it doesn't matter how you feel. You're not looking for anything. All you're doing is taking a deep breath and saying a simple line. And it doesn't matter where you are, you know, what you're doing, how you're feeling, saying something in sort of seven to nine seconds or less mm-hmm. is completely controllable. And what it does is it just brings us back into the moment. And the beauty of being in the moment is that, you know, you can't be beating yourself up about the past and you, you can't be getting worried about the future because yeah. that's where, you know, depression lives in the past, anxiety lives in the future gratitude brings us back into the moment. Yeah. Um, 
so by your that that's that's I think that's one of those foundational pieces for me. So you know, I, I speak a lot about both of those things, um, but ultimately, gratitude is one of the foundational pieces of how we can actually build and um, maintain our resilience. Yeah. That's awesome. I love the concept of mantras and I, I wanted to sit on gratitude for a little moment because I think probably the big overarching question for a lot of listeners will be this one key thing. And that is, if I find it hard to be grateful for the hard things in my life, Stacey, how on earth do you make, you know, what does that decision making process look like for you in the situation that you were in, which most people couldn't fathom being in a situation like that, where, you know, of course you've lost the use of, you know, majority of your body and now you've got to find a way to be grateful for it how do you get from being where you were to finding a way to be grateful does it take other people entering your life to help you with that process is it an aha moment that you had you know what did that look like for you yeah it was for me it was a a step beyond that I'm going to change the story I tell about it yeah um and then once I I did that it was just like again it was it was like a weight had been lifted off. Um, and I find that, you know, gratitude is such an abundant experience. Mm-hmm. And it just it sort of opens up to possibility. And and I find that if people have, find it difficult to sort of go, well, how, how could I be grateful for these things? Mm-hmm. I, the big thing is 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 to trust it. Yeah. Um, because you may not you may not feel grateful, but just by expressing gratitude. It, it changes the energy in your body um, because it's not possible to feel bad about something you're grateful for. We can't experience two conflicting emotions and experiences at the same time. Mm-hmm. So by choosing gratitude, I think this is a big thing, it's a choice. Yeah. And, and, and just as such a thing, thank you. And I use, like, going back to the mantra, so the mantra that I use is thank you for the opportunity to be who I am, where I am, with what I have at this moment in time. Yeah, that's a powerful one. And, and what I love about that is it's not judging anything about yeah. that experience. It's just saying, you know what, I'm putting it out there that I'm grateful to be who I am, where I am, and all the things I have right now, I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Um, and then also once you begin a practice of gratitude, then it becomes so much easier, again, having that, the, the the reserves of the gratitude and the resilience when the big things do happen it's so much simpler and easier mm-hmm. to just go I'm just going to stop for a moment take a few deep breaths and express gratitude and just sit with it for a bit and sitting with it for a bit is something that I, I I've only sort of really discovered over the last couple of years because much like you were talking about before is resilience just keeping up that front and keeping moving and not feeling things yeah that's one of the that's probably one of the mistakes I made through a lot of my life is I was just like next 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 Mm -hmm. and it's only been in the last two years when I've started the process of writing my second book which is more of a memoir that I I realized that so often I didn't actually stop at those key points in my life to feel Mm. I just kept moving and so now one of my big things is as far as resilience is stop for a moment yeah it is be grateful for what you have feel what it is don't judge what you're feeling don't have don't write the list of all the reasons why you feel that way yeah just feel sad feel angry feel disappointed Mm. feel scared yeah and just move through the emotions rather than avoiding them 
and then you can move forward so much faster yeah when you actually feel it and then move forward yeah it's it's I, I, I love that you're talking about this because for me this has probably been, I, I would say this has been, for anyone who's in a similar age group to you and I, I think this has been a really big deal and here's why I think this. There's a, I see generational patterns and the pattern of my parents and I have no doubt probably of many of our listeners right now are looking back and go, okay, the way that they dealt with life, the way that they got through life was when painful things hit you get on with it. And even now, you know, look, the first thing my parents will say to me is you either get angry about it, you, you, you fix it or you move on. You just get over it. You get back on the horse. Um, but feeling it, experiencing it, sitting with it, absolutely not even a consideration. It's that thick skin attitude. And, you know, I, because a lot of us have grown up with that, that concept of I just need to be tough, I need to be strong, I need a tough exterior, I can't let my kids see me struggle, um, which I now realise is probably one of the worst things I ever taught them because it's actually teaching them not to experience, not to feel, not to be in those moments. But what I'm noticing now as an adult is that all those years of I'm just going to get on with it, I'm just going to pretend I'm okay, I'm just going to have a thick skin means that you now have to peel an onion (laughs) and I have no doubt you know exactly what I'm talking about here Stacey as things start coming up you have to start getting curious with yourself and going where's this coming from how am I feeling in this moment and actually allowing yourself to feel it and when you've got a history of just be tough just be strong just move on with it um you know it can be hard to do that process which will bring me to my next question in a sec, but I I just want to ask, is this something that you see coming up a lot with a particular age group of people or is this something that you yourself have experienced after all of those years of just sort of pushing it to the side and not not going through that emotional experience, I suppose? Yeah, I totally agree with you and and that's where I've been at the last couple of years as well as, as I'm writing and digging and mm. and as you said just like this, the 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 onion onion analogy is 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 very apt because there's also a lot of tears involved in the mm-hmm. process as well. Um and sometimes it is it takes like it takes having a big ugly cry. Yeah. And it's just it makes all the difference. Um and and I think though you if you sort of touching on generationally, I think what's been interesting is I think as you said our our parents parents were the just keep pushing through pushing through pushing through um we sort of experienced a little bit of that and then now i think unfortunately the pendulum has swung so far the other way mm-hmm. where it's feel everything and do nothing yeah yeah i would agree and with that too so we're finding our you know our teens and our young adults that every experience now is labeled as a mental health issue mm-hmm. whereas you know did being disappointed does not equal depression. Yeah. It's okay to feel depressed today. That doesn't mean you are depressed. It means today you're feeling something. Yeah. And not not to downplay, of course, mental health because I know I'll get slammed for doing that, but I completely agree with you in that I think sometimes we assume there's something wrong with us because we're feeling something today that, you know, I'm a little out of sorts like or a lot out of sorts and it's okay to be all of those things. Yeah, I, I, I agree and I think, look, there, there, are, there are genuine mental health concerns mm-hmm. that some people do experience like chronically over time yeah. but I feel so often it's just been so quick to label something mm. as, 
Um, and this is where it comes in. Like, I, I speak a lot about the language that we use yeah. and how we, because I feel how we describe a situation is how we experience a situation. So by awfulizing something and turning I feel sad into I'm depressed mm. is it's 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 a big leap. Um, yeah. And then the more you describe that, the more then you then experience, like you end up attracting more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, You've so, done it, yeah. Yeah, and as you said, that even just that distinction between I'm depressed or I'm feeling depressed um, is, is again, one of those language tweaks. Mm. Um, and because often if people start to say I'm depressed or I'm you know, I'm sick or, you know, I'm, 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 you know, or they go, my pain, my depression, my anxiety, then they're taking it on as part of their identity mm. rather than a, a brief experience in yeah. time. Yeah. And that has a huge impact. Yeah. Look, I, I feel like we're, we're definitely opening a can of worms here and, um, and I'm kind of okay with that because I think this is something that a lot of people are afraid to talk about. You get, you get, you know, whenever you bring up the conversation about uh, depression and, and mental health and you have any opinion other than the fact that, you know, it's just this widely spread thing that everyone and anybody has and can have, um, I think it becomes this thing where it's it's a very, you know, people want to argue for it. And the thing is I want to argue as well for for being everything, for being happy, for being joyful, for being sad, for being angry because we're humans and it's okay. You can't expect us to experience one without the other. Um, such a, an important point. And I'm seeing this so much. I've now got teenage children and we were just having a really long conversation about teenagers and kids and step parenting. My goodness, the challenges that come with that. There's a reason there's almost no books about it. It's because everyone's afraid to write one. Um, but the thing here is, you know, I've done, I've been to a lot of, you know, school presentations. I've seen a lot of letters. I've, I've watched a lot of what's going on now. And the awareness has gone so far the other way where it's almost become a complete normalization of there's got to be something wrong with you. It's almost as if the kids are feeling like if I don't have something wrong with me, I am no one um, because it's become so normal and I've got to be so careful. I'm going to get slammed for saying this. Um, but it just concerns me because, you know, I want I want our kids to know that every emotion you feel is part of being human it doesn't make you abnormal. Um, in fact, you know, what is normal? It's just, it's a really difficult one. Um, I just saw a, 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 a comedian actually that, uh, yesterday, uh, just popped up on my Facebook feed and he said something that I thought was so prominent right now. And, and that was, he said, um, you know, I, I uh, was having a conversation with a friend the other day and, you know, my generation, this is how we roll. Um, he said, I, I just let my friend know I've got anxiety and I just, I just put it out there. And the friend said, oh, what are you doing about it? And he goes, no, nothing. I'm just letting you know so that you can work around it. It's like, yep. Call that kind of, I feel like that's sort of where we're at. It's this, I don't, I, I am this, I identify as this, and it's not a matter of what can I do because I feel helpless in it. It's a matter of I just kind of need the world to know and I'm just going to make that who I am. And it's a really difficult conversation to have, isn't it, Stacey? I feel like we could get totally slammed for talking yeah. about this right now. But you know what? Um, it's not because you and I haven't felt it. It's not because you and I haven't been through some insanely difficult times in very different ways and experienced all of those emotions. And 
you know, every day is different. Every day is a challenge, but at the same time, you know, what can you do in this moment? What control can you have? Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And I think that this is something that um, one of my, like in, in my book, the first chapter around resilience is, per, is responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really passionate about personal responsibility. And yeah. I feel that this is something that has been lost over time is that exactly as you describe it, it's like, this is, this is who I am or what, what I have going on. And the world, the world must change to suit me mm-hmm. rather than what is, what can I do to improve my experience? Yeah. Um, and look, I've butted heads with people over the years on this one, <laughs> particularly when it comes to disability. Yeah. Um, because I, I generally don't do a lot in the disability space because my view is that I have responsibility for the experience I have. Whereas a lot of even the the teachings around disability is is that it's society that's disabling, and I just feel that that is just such a. I think it's very weak. I think that it really, I think all of us, no matter what at where, where we're at and what our challenges or barriers may be, mm-hmm. I think we need to come from a perspective of what can I do to contribute rather yeah. than what can I get. And and I said I've butted heads over the years because people go, oh, but you're different. I'm like, but I, I've learned this along the way. I didn't just, I wasn't born just going, hey, I'm just going to take responsibility for everything in my life and mm-hmm. I, all this sort of stuff. It's like, no, I think it comes down to when something doesn't go to plan or when we're having a challenging experience. Um, again, feel it, but then what can we do about it? Yeah. What can we personally do about it? Not can we ask everybody else to do about it? Mm. Um, and and I think that that's um, something that's really powerful. And 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 also too, like for for your audience, yeah. it's um you know that that's what getting you know getting involved in business for yourself and stuff like that. It's mm. it's actually taking that personal responsibility to go. You know what? I'm going to do something about making my life and, mm. and my family's life and. Um, you know, my lifestyle, my income, all of those things better. Um, yep. And so I think that that's super important to look at. Yeah. What a big conversation. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I I'm completely agree with you. And, um, and I think that's all we can do as well. You know, as much as it's what we should do, it's actually all we can do. You know, the world won't change. The experience in the world won't change unless we take um, some responsibility for that experience. And each of us, you know, and, and again, I get that it's hard on hard days. I totally understand that. It's it's not because I've had a picture-perfect life and I can easily sit here and go, hey, everybody, just wake up and be happy. It's not how it rolls. Um, but at the same time, I can't control, and this is coming from a self-confessed um, control freak here right now, Um if I can't control and I know that I can't control the world, I can't control what goes on around me, the only thing I can control is my response to it. And, you know, whilst that isn't perfect, a lot of the time, probably most of the time it's not, I have a moment of every moment where I can make a choice to change that reaction. And there's no too late. There's never a too late. I might have not been handling it well up until this point, but now I'm in this point and I can make a decision to to change the way I'm responding. And that can be as simple as 
I'm just going to stop and think about what I can actually truly be grateful for in this moment. And and that's where I just want to come to this question because, Stacey, this one for me has been a hard one over the years. I've had some incredible mentors to help me with uh, what you were talking about with gratitude and learning to be grateful for the difficult things that we've experienced. And for some, that seems like an overwhelming concept right now. So what I want to just talk about for a second is how do you go from being in an incredibly difficult position it may be the loss of a loved one. It may be uh, a marriage breakup. It may be, you know, a difficult time with a child. It may be, um, you know, something uh, similar to what you've been through, Stacey. But the, the question I've got here is how do you go from that situation that you may be in the thick of at the moment um, where you the last thing you feel like being is in any way, shape or form grateful for this? Can you give some advice on how someone might be able to start that adjustment of their perspective? If they're like, I want to, I want to do what I can. It's just, I feel like I can't do anything right now. Have you got even a simple step or a little piece of advice to help someone who might be in that position at the moment? Yeah, I think the, the big thing is, and this is again, something that I've, I've learned more recently is, is to actually acknowledge that it sucks. Mm-hmm. In that moment, again, it comes back to this whole thing. We need to feel things for a bit. Um, so just acknowledge it sucks, um, but it's not always going to suck. Mm. And and that's where it's, it's 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 taking the moment to, again, express gratitude even if you're not feeling it right then, but also feel all the feels that are going yeah. on there. Yeah. Um, and, and trust that, again, it, 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 it will get better. Mm. We don't know how quickly it will get better. But, um, you know, setting that intention that, again, that that's something that you're going to see as it's it's a gift in some way and it may yeah. not seem a gift in the moment. So mm. it's sort of three-step thing that um, that I process I have is, is say thank you. Um, then the next question to plant, and, again, you don't get the answer straight away. Sometimes these things, sometimes you might get an answer immediately. Sometimes it might be a week later. Sometimes it might be five years later is I say, well, what's, what's the lesson in this? What did I need to learn from this? Or where's the opportunity in this situation? And then the third seed to plant is how could that help somebody else? And, again, sometimes that doesn't come become apparent until a long time down the track as well. But ultimately if you, you start with the gratitude because you can't feel bad about something you're grateful for, Plant the seed of what's the gift, what's the learning, what's the opportunity, and then where's and, and then how would it help somebody else? Then that actually then has that situation that seems so negative in the moment can end up being something incredibly valuable. But it's 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 a it's a perspective shift and knowing that it's not going to instantly shift. It's not like you're going to go, oh my gosh, I know all this. Suddenly and now it's I just all moved good. on. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I, I want to come back to that onion peeling concept because I think this really aligns with, you know, that what you said earlier about feel it but don't necessarily feel like you have to solve it or get why. You know, there are often moments, and I will say this is um, because of, uh, for me, how I coped with lots of stuff I went uh, that went on in my childhood and then, you know, my my first marriage and, and all of those sorts of things. And because I kind of just did this constant get on with it, it's okay, just be tough, just move on. Um, the, the onion peeling thing is something you actually don't control. <laughs> 
there are days that you wake up and I'm sure you experience this, Stacey, and, and I, I feel like it's a human thing. All of our listeners probably experience it. You wake up and you're like, today there's a, a layer is coming off that onion and you can just feel it. You know, something's going down and you know, sometimes Greg will say to me, what, what's going on? Are you all right? And it's like, no, nope, just, you know, it's just a, a layer of the onions coming off, <laughs> off right now. And in those moments, I've learned that it's not about logically working out what's going on. Why am I feeling this? It's about just going, and actually saying sometimes, verbalizing, this doesn't make sense, but this is what I'm feeling about blah. Um, I, and I just need to kind of just get it out. And sometimes just acknowledging that, that it, it's not okay. Well, it not, not that it's not okay. It just doesn't necessarily make sense why I feel this. Um, because often things, emotions get triggered by certain things that happen, um, you know, through your day or through your week or through your month. And it might just simply be that someone said something to you that was completely innocent, but it's just set, uh, you know, a, a, I guess a train in motion. And you're like, I, I don't get why I'm so is suddenly so emotional about this thing because the thing doesn't matter and it. It's often not about that. And what I've learned is you don't actually have to understand what it's necessarily about. And I love how you said that earlier. It's you don't you don't have to rationalize everything. Just feel it in that moment and just go. This is actually okay that I'm feeling like this at the moment. Um, and it's a lot quicker. You said it's a lot quicker. <laughs> I love that because it's so true. Uh, but it's painful. You know how they talk about sometimes you got to go through the valley, it's a lot quicker um, than it is to go around it. Um, and I, I just think that that's, you know, such a great thing that you said there and a really good reminder that sometimes we just have to feel it and go through it as hard as that can be. I, I totally agree. And and it's and it's, and it's a matter of going, well, what, what do you need to do to feel things? Mm. Um, you know, sometimes it might be just taking some time out for an hour or two and might be sitting in silence. It might be going mm -hmm. out in nature. Um, I write. So yep. I find that I'll sit with things for a while. I'll sit in silence. Um, I'll, I'll feel it. And then sometimes it might be, I said, a big, ugly cry. Yeah. Um, but then I'll generally write about it. Um, mm -hmm. It's something that I find. It's probably something that it probably has become a little bit of a, almost a bit of a, um, a, a challenge for me in, 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 in that I, I sort of hear something interesting or I think of something interesting and I feel I always have to write everything down. Yeah. Um, but um, that's not necessarily true. But um, I find particularly if I'm having some of those challenging times, then um, it is a, it is a matter of writing it down is good for me. It's a great um, And also outlet, just letting yeah. the people, yeah, and just letting the people around me know that I'm feeling, I, I just said it like to, to, my, to my boyfriend, I said, just letting you know I've got a bit of the sads today. Um, it's nothing that you've done. I just... I'm just going to sit with this for mm. a bit. Um, I don't need you to do anything. I don't need you to fix anything. Uh, I just need to just, I need to sit with this for a bit and I'll yep. let you know when I'm, when I'm good. Yeah. Um, and it's also recognizing too, that this isn't just a linear process. Um, you know, you mentioned like the layer of the onion coming off. It's like sometimes one layer comes on and then three go back on again, yeah. you know? And, <laughs> and so it's like, I, I heard um, someone say once it's, yeah, sometimes you think, oh yeah, I, I thought, I, I thought I was done with that. And and the analogy he used was it's like, what, you went to the bathroom once and you feel like you're never got to go to the bathroom ever again. <laughs> and it's like yep. these things happen. They come at different times. And um, but I think the more that we can we can really feel through things at the time that they happen, yep. the less likely they are to be recurring issues for us yep. in the long run. Yeah, hundred percent. 
Now, um, I want to talk a little bit about resilience again right now because that's really the core of this conversation. And uh, coming back to that, now knowing that, you know, it's as much about being prepared as what it is um, about dealing with things in the moment and, and, you know, and how you're going to cope with those things, I want to just talk about is resilience something that you believe that we're born with, we either have it or we don't, or is it something we can get more of? Yeah, there's, there's often a perception that people think, oh, you're just naturally resilient. Yeah. That's just how it is. Yeah. Um, I find I'm just a resilient that, person I'm res- or I'm just not a resilient person. Yeah. Yeah. And then people have a perception that I'm a resilient person. It's like, I know I actually work at this every day. Um, <laughs> but I find that it's a bit of a, it's, it's like a continuum. Mm-hmm. And I think that at any given time, we can be more to one end to the other. Um, and so that given, you know, what our experiences are, um, what our perceptions are, you know, some people generally have a little bit more of a negativity bias to a positivity bias. Um, so if that's the case, they're probably likely to sort of be a little bit further to one end of the scale on the continuum of resilience. But the the beauty of it is, is that I've discovered that it's actually, it's a skill. Yeah. Um, it's a skill that can be, it can be learned and it doesn't matter how lacking in resilience someone may perceive that they are. But just by implementing simple practices and I like to call them rituals for resilience, um, if we can implement these simple practices over time, then we can build it. And the thing that I can liken it to the most is that, you know, you go to the gym to build and maintain physical strength and build muscle. Mm -hmm. So in the gym you'll go, okay, I'm going to work this particular muscle group and then there's a specific set of exercises that you do. And all those exercises are is simple repetitive movements done consistently over time and that builds strength and then resilience is the same it's like okay there's principles around resilience and there's rituals that you can do to to build those kind of pillars and then if you implement those rituals consistently over time then you build your resilience strength Mm -hmm. but much like going to the gym it's like we have to keep going to the gym otherwise we lose it and resilience is exactly the same and I found personally, if I find myself feeling stressed or overwhelmed or frustrated, that the first thing I need to do is look at, okay, what have my practices been like with my rituals? And 99% of the time, I'll be able to tell you that I've dropped the ball on some of them or all of them mm-hmm. over a period of time. And then it just creeps up. And that's when things start to kick your backside yeah. over time. And then it's like, okay, get back into those practices um, and then you can sort of get back on the track with it. Yeah, awesome. So, look, I, I know that this is probably a, a, a really big conversation for another time or even the reading of your book, but can you just maybe label a couple of those practices just to give people an idea of what that can look like, how hard, how easy that is? Is it something that they can implement? Can you share just a little bit along those lines with our listeners? Oh, for sure. Um, so we've sort of touched briefly on some of them already, um, but some of the principles that I have in the book, um, one of them I think is probably the most, it's the simplest and quickest way to to turn things around is is the language. And and as we, we explored before is that the way you describe a situation is how you experience it. Mm. And so it's being very conscious of the language that we use and the impact of the words we use. So it's 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 being trying not to be overly dramatically negative and um, awfulizing situations um, and being conscious of how you can be more positive in the words you use. Yeah. Um, and the ritual around that is journaling. Mm. So 
through the course of journaling than just even just writing down a couple of lines about your day, you can start to see reflected back to you, how, how am I describing my day? Am I being overly negative or, you know, am I, am I being pretty positive? Mm. And so what you can do then is you can actually start to then tweak the words you use. Yep. Um, and while you don't change the facts of what happened during your day, you can change the story you tell about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do that very quickly after those things happen, then again, it doesn't, doesn't creep up on you and come back and bite you down the track. So yeah. journaling is super powerful. Um, and a lot of people don't journal because they think, oh, I'm not a good writer or I don't know what to write about or they feel that they have to, they have to write loads of stuff. Um, but for me, um, I just started by commit, committing to writing one sentence a day and I just, my, that one sentence was around what was the best thing that happened today. Yep. And because you get what you look for. So if you start to look for the good, you're going to see more good. Yep. Um, and so I used to just write, today I had the opportunity to and finish the sentence. Um, yeah, and that's evolved that. now that's into, so yeah. yeah, today I had the opportunity to. Um, everyone can write a sentence. It may only take you a minute. Um, and whether you want to handwrite it, do it electronically, I do mine electronically. Um, but sometimes that's turned into I've had nights where I've written 3,000 words in my oh, journal wow. because it's just like there's just been a prompt that's just, I don't know, I've had a big day or I start to explore things and, um, you know, it's it's I find it really useful. Um, the other one is, um, you know, is gratitude, mm. um, just as I shared, like the use of mantras. So, you know, I suggested a mantra earlier. Today I had uh, thank you for the opportunity to be who I am, where I am with what I have at this moment in time. The way that I use that as a ritual is at night before I fall asleep. So I'm in bed, my eyes are closed, and I say that to myself. Mm-hmm. So that's the last that's the last message that's implanted in my mind mm-hmm. before I go to sleep. So I'm I'm programming my my sleep cycle with gratitude. Yep. And then when I wake up, when the alarm goes off, before I'll, I'll hit stop. And then before I open my eyes properly, I'll say it again, you know, thank you for the opportunity to be who I am, where I am, with what I have at this moment in time. Yeah. And then during the day, if I find myself feeling overwhelmed or stressed or off track, then I stop, take a couple of breaths and say that again. And that's just been super powerful for just conditioning myself to be in that um abundance, open, gratitude, possibility yeah. mindset. Um, so I find that that's a, an amazing way to build your resilience. Um, and the other the other one that I use a lot is music. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a new one. I hadn't even explored it in the book when I wrote it at the time, but music's been a really powerful part of, I feel, keeping me alive at the lowest points in my life. Yeah. I find music, it changes our vibration, changes our frequency and our energy. I also find that music, for me personally, um, it, it it gives us a way to express ourselves sometimes when we don't have the words to express yeah, how absolutely. we're feeling. So it's picking um, picking a you know a favorite song that you know if you're feeling flat that can lift you up. Yep. And then it's also picking a song where you find if you're too wired, too stressed, or feeling a little bit anxious that you can play and you can immerse yourself in, mm. and you can just chill out and just. I think do that as well. You know, on that too. You know, I, I almost wanted to bring it up before, but you've done it. Um, you know, inadvertently now, which is, you know, in those moments where you're feeling emotional, you know how sometimes you just don't know how to express what you're feeling and get it out, but you get the right song on at that time, and it's kind of like it helps you 
um, helps you feel it in a sense, you know, putting on something that you can sing to, or it's almost as though the words are found for you. And I feel like we're really good at finding those things ourselves, um, as well. So, you know, that, that was something that came to mind for me because, you know, over the years, journaling is something that has come and gone, but music is something that I've often used to help me with processing, um, certain emotions that don't necessarily make logical sense, but you can just kind of get it out. You guys know what I'm talking about. I know you do. Cause you know, we all do it, I think without even realizing we do. And, um, you know, you just, you feel those, those songs, those words in those moments and it, and it helps with that. Um, so I think that's a really good one, um, to bring up. I actually want to talk a little bit now about, um, parenting because it's very easy for us to look at ourselves and go, okay, great. I need to practice this. Um, and this is what I can do. But as a parent of teenagers right now, I've already spoken a little bit about that experience, watching them and going, okay, I want as a parent to show my kids how they can practice resilience without saying, get over. I don't want to be like what our parents were and say, get over it, move on, have a thick skin. You know, it's important our kids feel, but also without labeling them as having something wrong with them. And so I just wanted to ask you the question, if you're looking at your kids right now and you're going, I can definitely see, totally see that resilience is something that would be, you know, a great thing for them to learn to practice, to help them get through these really difficult years right now. Um, Do you have any advice for parents on how they can support maybe their teenagers or even younger children to be more personally resilient? Yeah, for sure. It's actually probably one of the most common questions that I get asked as well, particularly um, when I'm speaking to into corporate groups or to associations mm-hmm. or different companies, yeah. Um, a lot of people go, "How do I do this with my kids?" Yeah, and and so what I've done and it's worked really well for a lot of people. Um, and if kids are varying ages as well, you could start this from when they're really little, um, and you can do it right through to you know forever, really. Mm-hmm. Um, the the one thing I get them to start with is just asking asking. Usually, either it's you know sometimes it could be in the car on the way home from school, or it could be over dinner. And it's, it's asking what was the best thing that happened today. Mm. And yep. because often I found, and I observed this when I was a step parent for a while, um, that, um, you know, his, his dad would ask him when we picked him up from school, how was your day? Not bad. What did you do? Not much. Yep. And that was the <laughs> pattern every single day. And I'm yeah. like, I want to experiment with this. Yeah. And so then I started to ask, well, what was the best thing that happened today? And at first he was a bit resistant. And then so I'd go, well, what was what was the least worst thing that happened today? <laughs> and because especially with teenagers, you can just go, what was the least crappy thing that happened today? Um, it's like sort of take it back to where they are and sort yeah, of Yeah, meet them where they're in, at. I love in, it. Inch them, inch mm-hmm. them forward. Um, so just starting with that. And then you can sort of start to go into some other questions. And I think from a resilience perspective, I think if you can ask them, well, what was the most challenging thing that happened today? And get them to start to actually celebrate them experiencing challenge mm. and then also talk to them about what they did about it. And 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 maybe they might go, oh, nothing. And, I, you know, and you go, well, what could you do? Yeah. And so it's lots of conversations. And, and this is also... Um, you know, I say even with my business clients, it's like if you're in a leadership role, it's having consistent conversations, informal conversations with your team all the time. 
And so, you know, and, and similar conversations can happen with your kids, particularly if you're looking at teens now. Um, I'd, I'd use the same questions I'd use in my with my business clients. So it could be, first of all, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are you, what are you working on? What are you finding most challenging? And how can I best support you? Yeah. And if you have those conversations on a regular basis, it's it's incredible because you start to get a baseline of where people are at and then you'll get to know when something's off and then you can feel more confident in asking them. It's like, are you okay? You just don't seem yourself. Mm. Um, and then because you've had those conversations regularly, they're going to feel probably more safer to open up as well. Yeah. Um, and also in, from a from a business perspective, uh, I got often I'd often get asked about how do you have a how do you have a difficult conversation? I'm like, if you have these conversations all the time, then it's highly unlikely that you're ever going to get to a point where a conversation is difficult. Yep. Yep. I love that. There's some really great stuff in that. And uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna work on that one with my kids too. I asked that question yesterday, how was your day? And my son went, not good. And I was like, okay, why? No reason. I was like, great. Okay. I need to work on this. So I love that. I'm going to try that one. I think that's fantastic. So um, just really quickly, your book, um, How to Be Resilient. How can our listeners get hold of your books? I highly recommend that they do. We'll put the links, of course, in the show notes, but can you share that a little bit with everybody now that's thinking, right, I need to read more up on this. I need Stacey's help. Yeah, well, the, the the best place you can get access to all versions of the book. Uh, there's a ebook, there's an audio book, and then there's the the old school paperback. Um, is at howtoberesilient.com. Yep. Um, but you can also pick it up from your local bookstore or Amazon, any of those places. Um, and if they don't have it on the shelf, just go and ask for it. Um, and what's really cool about this book and something that I'm really proud of is that it's not just something that you read and then pop on the shelf. At the end of each section, each principle of resilience, there's a series of exercises um, that I take you through um, that will help you actually implement those things in practice. So there's space if you you know to you can scribble in the margins, you can write in Love those it. sections, yeah. Um, but also you can you can download the PDF and print off those things if you don't like to write in your books. Um, so yeah, howtoberesilient.com. I love it. All right. We'll put that in the show notes as well. So if anyone's uh, watching this video, they can check that out there. Um, and I do have, uh, Stacey, some fun questions for you as well. Um, the first of which, ironically, is what is your favourite book for our Accelerator book list? Well, I I thought that probably my, yeah, my favourite book that I would use most commonly is probably already on the list. So I thought, what's a book that I can share with you that I love that you're your listeners may not be aware of. And so the book that I would love to share with them is a book called The Relationship Fix. Ooh. And it's by Dr. Jen Mann, so yep. J-E-N-N-M-A-N-N. Um, and what it is, it's 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 about, it's mainly about your romantic relationships, but okay. considering that direct selling is such a relationship-driven business, it's a really, really practical book. It's something that's got loads of you know, checklists and questions, but I just found it an, an amazing book. Yep. Um, I, I refer to it regularly. I saw um, her speak at an event in Sydney many years ago um, and it just had such an impact on me. I use a lot of it in my own personal relationships, both romantic and otherwise. So um, the relationship fix. I All right, I'm going to check that one, that one out. List. 
But you did open up uh, the the question, which is what was the other book you're going to say that's already on our book list, you think? <laughs> think and grow rich. It absolutely okay, yeah. has to be on there. <laughs> I, it's probably one of the most popular ones that comes up, but I still I still love for people to hear it because I think it's a great one for them too. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, I think it, 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 was, it was transformational for me, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, love it. Um, okay, next question is, uh, if you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? Uh, teleportation um, would absolutely be my favourite. Um, I would love to be in lots of different places, but I hate travel. So <laughs> if I could teleport and save myself the pain and grief of long-haul travel or having to pack or being uncomfortable on a plane or lost luggage or any of those things, um, then teleportation would 100% be on my list. I love that one, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Like I I hate the the challenge of travel. I, I, I love um, the process of travel. So I sort of feel like, um, you know, you've you've just made me think about how cool would it be if you could have the superpower of like permanent upgrades and seamless travel. Um, you know, always being in business class, nothing ever being late, everything always being seamless, but you still get to do all the processes. Cause I love the experience along the way as much as anything else, the anticipation. Yeah. I like, I, I could, I could do without airports and planes, um, even with the upgrade. <laughs> um, but Hotels, like I think hotels are cool, room service, all that sort of stuff. There's something really cool about being in a new hotel and yeah. you know, opening every cupboard and every drawer and yeah. seeing what's in the fridge. And, <laughs> what's the, um, what are the toiletries in this service. one look like? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Things you don't want to admit that you check out every time anyway. It's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. We all do. It doesn't matter how many times we stay What sort of coffee does this hotel have? have? That for me is like the first thing. I'm beelining. What does the coffee look like? And I'm, I instantly judge the hotel based on that, by the way. Yeah. Um, I'm similar. I'm similar. I don't go for the coffee, but I'm like, do they have peppermint tea? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's what? Is it good it. stuff or is it like just the, you know, <laughs> just our exactly. hotel friends note the things we pay attention to? Um, and we okay. do. Uh, your favourite quote, Stacey? My favourite quote is a Gandhi quote, and it was, um, strength does not come from physical capability. It comes from an indomitable will. Ooh, I love that. That's a good one. Awesome. And our very, very last last question uh, is if you could go back in time and say one thing to your past self, what would that be? Um, it's interesting. I think it depends on at what point in my life past self it would be. So if I could have permission to use two points, um, if that is okay on that one. Um, so if I was to go back to, you know, my 12-year-old self at the lowest point of my life, um, then I would just say, look, this really does suck, um, but it's not going to suck forever. Mm. And and that was that's a big one, I think. I never really had that. Didn't, I never really felt I had the permission to just really go, this really does suck. Yeah. Um, and the other one I would do is I'd go back to my 20s and I'd tell myself not to stop stretching Ooh. as far as phys- physically stretching yeah. Um, you know, in my 40s now and um, having to do a lot of work to um, loosen up some muscles that had I kept up as regular stretching practice. And it's amazing just how much of an impact tight muscles has on our experience. Yeah. So, yeah, don't stop stretching. Don't stop stretching. I love that. I think don't stop stretching even uh, mentally as well, right? 
Yeah, as I said it out loud, I think I said, I'm talking about physically and I'm like, no, you know what? That's actually a great approach to life in general, isn't it? Don't (laughs) stop stretching. You just stumbled on a new book, Stretching. (laughs) Speaking of books, I said it was the last question, but I do want to know, when are you expecting your new book to be out? Because you made mention that you're writing a second book, which is more of a memoir. Yeah. Oh, look, I was expecting it to be done about a year ago, which is typically how these things go. <laughs> yes. Um, what I've done is I've, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself and I found it was actually getting in the way of my business. And so I've given myself a bit of a permission to put that aside for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the rest of the, for, you know, the next sort of three to six months, I'm, I'm really excited about really growing a few things in my business. I've got some really great opportunities at the moment. So my priority right now is business. I think over the Christmas break, um, then that's going to be somewhere I'm going to go back and revisit that and, um, and just sort of see, like, how is it feeling? I'm, I'm at the point now where I've got another book that I want to write. So I've got two books I want to write. So I want to write Rituals for Resilience and as well so as the as well And she's going to rename it Stretching. <laughs> yes, that's it. Don't stop stretching. Don't stop stretching. Yeah. I love it. Well, Stacey, you know what? This has been, I think, first of all, thank you for your honesty today because I feel like this has probably been a much more real conversation than than I predicted it would be, but I think in many ways probably a really good one. Um, And can I throw it out there that if anyone's challenged by anything we said today, can I just encourage you to ask why and just dive a little bit deeper because um, one thing that I've learned over the years um, is that when someone challenges me, my first gut reaction is to get mad at that person. But sometimes I can stop and think, hang on a second, and this often happens a little later on down the track. What was I learning in that moment or what was being shown to me that I actually, you know, I would have benefited from seeing it at that point in time? So I just want to challenge you with this, you know, in the most loving way possible. Some of the stuff that we've said today has absolutely been on the challenging side and it's not because we're standing up and saying we know you know, everything about mental health and we don't profess to be mental health uh, professionals in any way, shape or form. But we've both been through, uh, you know, various different versions of things and, and you know, we both had experience as well with teenagers and kids and stepchildren and all of those fun things. And, um, you know, sometimes it's really great to to just stop in the moment and and learn from one another and and know that we're all going through stuff and that's something as well you know everyone's going through something so you know thank you as well for just sharing today Stacey it's such an amazing story and you've got so much incredible stuff to show people so um yeah I just really appreciate you taking this time out to to share your story and your experience um with our audience today Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure and I love where our conversation went. I think it's one of those things I always trust that things go where they need to go rather than where we want them to go Mm -hmm. and um, that's life in general, isn't it? We get what we need, not what we want. Um, But, yeah, if I can just add on, as you said, it's if if someone has felt a little bit, um, you know, challenged or triggered by something that's been said is I I heard recently someone said a trigger is an opening Mm -hmm. and so if you can do that, if something something external is triggering something in us, then ask about why is that so and also what about what 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 where are we maybe doing something similar in our own worlds Mm. Um, and it's often the world's a mirror to us in so many ways. 
Absolutely. Uh, and I think anyone listening to this episode is probably listening for a reason too. You know, often people switch on to certain episodes that we do and go, whoa, I, I really needed to hear that in that moment. Um, so, yeah, just thank you to everybody for tuning in, sending you all loads of love. And, uh, and again, thank you so much, Stacey. Make sure that you grab Stacey's book. Um, so, again, that website, Stacey, if you could just repeat that for everybody. Howtoberesilient.com. Beautiful. Thank you again so much. And uh, yeah, for all of our listeners, thank you. It's been great um, uh, chatting about all of this today and uh, getting to know you a little bit better as well, Stacey. And of course, if you've got an event coming up with your company, don't forget Stacey is an incredible keynote speaker as well to speak on resilience also. So uh, make sure you check her out. Um, But for now, thank you again so much to everybody for tuning in, Stacey, for joining us. It's been great to have you and we'll see you all again on the podcast next week. But that's it from us. Bye for now. If you love this video and you would love more help to improve your direct selling business on social media, then click on the link to join our Facebook group. I look forward to seeing you in there.